Strokeside Designs is a New York-based fine jewelry company focused on water sports. This is the best jewelry I have found through many years of searching. I love my Dragon Boat Paddle Heart earrings and my pendant. The jewelers at Strokeside Designs have worked for famous jewelry houses such as Tiffany & Company and Cartier. All of the pieces are hand-finished from fine materials. Express your passion for kayaking, canoeing, and dragon boating. Visit PaddleJewelry.com and get free shipping with the code PINK. That is PaddleJewelry.com and enter the code PINK. Are you a dragon boat athlete? Have you ever thought about joining a team? Hornet Water Sports makes high-performance, lightweight, carbon fiber dragon boat paddles. You can choose from one of their many graphic designs. Don't settle for just a boring black paddle. I love their design so much that I have four different paddles. They also have all of the dragon boat accessories that you need, paddle bags, tip covers, tape, and more. Visit their website at hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK at checkout to receive 10% off of your order. That's hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK. My guest on today's show is Petula Kincaid. She originally hails from Ireland, but currently resides in Hong Kong. Petula shared her breast cancer journey and how she was too busy with work to make time for her routine mammograms. She also talked about her specific treatments and the side effects that she has experienced. She shares where she is with the reconstructive process and offers advice for everyone to slow down, listen to our bodies, and get regular body checks. Listen in as Petula shares her story. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12-year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis, heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. I'm here today with Petula Kincaid. She originally hails from Ireland, but is currently living in Hong Kong. Um, and she is a breast cancer survivor. She was diagnosed in 2018 at the age of 54. She was diagnosed with stage 2B invasive ductal carcinoma um, and also grade 3. So welcome to the podcast, Patula. We're excited to have you here. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. I feel very honored. Thank you. Absolutely. And I know it's uh, we have quite the difference in time. So it's morning time for you there and afternoon time for me here. So I'm glad we were able to make our schedules um, yeah. match. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. So Amazing. Yeah, so you were um, 54, and I would imagine that you were probably getting regular mammograms. Is that true? Well, uh, well, no. Um, I was one of those very. Uh, I was always busy, and um, and 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 later on in 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 our chat, I'll probably say more about it. But I was always busy. I always put it off, um, and. I wasn't having frequent mammograms, and obviously I should have been. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my message is to all my friends and all the people, kind of all my acquaintances and even my work colleagues, I, I can't impress upon them enough to have, you know, regular body checks and, and go for mammograms. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, I, I did my own self-checks. 
And it was obviously my own self-check that led me to discover uh, the lump. But I, I have to say, it's, it's one of my big regrets. I, I, haven't, I didn't go for mammograms regularly. Right. No. Yeah, and, you know, it's, yeah. it's hard, right, because hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, you yeah. know, but the reality is, is that there are many women who, you know, whatever the reason is, you know, it's, um, you know, work or family or just, you know, just being busy. I mean, that is just the truth of it. So, um, you know, it, it's easy to kind of say, I wish I would have done that. Um, you know, and sometimes we beat ourselves up over it, but, um, yeah, you know, it, yeah. it's, I think it's yeah. an important message. Um, so, so you were, even though you weren't doing mammograms, you were still kind of doing body checks. Yeah, I was doing my own like self examination. Okay. And um, actually, in November in uh, 2018, um, I was on holiday and I was in Vietnam, like lying on a sun lounger, and I I, I noticed I noticed the lump. And I thought, and, and actually felt, I felt it, and it felt sore, you know. So I thought, this is weird. So the minute I got back from holiday, I went to my GP, and my GP, in 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 in, in no uncertain terms, without hardly any uh, examination, said straight away to me it was breast cancer. Oh wow! So yeah, yeah, that was a bit of a shock but you know what I prefer people not to waste my time and and, and just to get on with it so um and pretty much uh, I had to then go for a mammogram and I had to have all the different you know the ultrasound and everything else I had a pet scan I had many different scans but that all happened within the space of about 12 to 14 days okay and then I was and then I was on the you know having the mastectomy I mean, so that's a I pretty have... quick turnaround, quite honestly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. two weeks, yeah. two weeks later yeah. from the initial exam to then be going in for a mastectomy. That's really fast. Well, through my, actually through a combination of my husband and my own medical, through our work, we had private medical care. And I have to say, Hong Kong is pretty speedy when okay. it comes to stuff like this. Yeah. So I'm very grateful to my breast surgeon and the specialist that I had and the whole team, actually, that they've all been amazing. For sure. Yeah. So did you, yeah. you know, when you found the lump, um, was it immediate thought that oh, this might be breast cancer or did you think that it might be something else? It was my immediate instinct. I, I actually, yeah, it just went straight. Yeah, I, I, I was like, oh, my God. I've got breast cancer. Okay. And, and then I just needed, you know, someone to rubber stamp it. And when I came back from my holiday, I was actually with a girlfriend. And when I came back from my holiday and I, you know, I showed it to my husband, he immediately went, that doesn't look good. And I actually, you know, I don't know if this is my imagination or what, but I could, I actually thought I could feel it growing. Okay. And, and maybe, maybe that was anxiety. But I really, and then when, you know, when I went to, to, to see the specialist, they, they said, it looks like it's a, a, a very fast growing um, tumor. It was four centimeters in size. Okay. So it was, I mean, it was a pretty decent size yeah. that you could, yeah. you know, really yeah. feel, um, you know, feel that. Yes. Yeah. 
And, and they were very like, how come you didn't notice this before? You know, how come you didn't notice it when it was like two centimeters? And I was like, this has grown overnight. But clearly it hadn't grown overnight, but it felt like to me, it had just grown overnight. Um, and that was the, the really interesting thing as well. And also to cope with the fact that, you know, tumors like that can grow, according to my specialist, anywhere between two to five years. So, it, and they were saying it could have started slowly and then speeded up. Yeah. So, yeah and I think really that's, awesome. yeah, I think that's the truth of it too is, um, you know, I think once it kind of breaks through, if you will, you know, where it becomes invasive, you know, I, I think that it really can become fast growing because mine grew a centimeter within, you know, I, f I found mine, it was in February, I was diagnosed in March, and then I went in for my mastectomy in May. And by the time I had gone from the original mammogram and ultrasound, you know, I was 1.1 centimeters and I had, it had grown to 2.1. Wow. So yeah, um, I think it, you know, depend, and I was at grade three as well. So it does, it can, right. you know, grow really fast. So, um, you so, know, which is why we, we need our healthcare systems to move quickly. Yes. You know? Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. Like the, the people I interviewed somebody from Canada and she was telling me the amount of time that she waited. And I thought it was awful. The amount of time that we have to wait in the United States, but in Canada, it was, I mean, she was like, I waited three weeks to a month between my tests. and <laughs> I was dumbfounded. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that in some countries that would be seen as very speedy. So, right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so you kind of gave it away a little bit that you um, had the mastectomy. So two weeks after you had gone in for the initial exam and did all the diagnostic testing and all of that stuff, you then went in for a mastectomy. Did you do the bilateral mastectomy? Uni. Okay. So, Sorry. That's okay. Uh, yeah. It's early morning. <laughs> it is. <laughs> So just the one on okay. the left side. <laughs> okay. So you had the unilateral on the um, on the one side, yeah. and then did they indicate that it was, you know, estrogen positive, progesterone positive, HER two, any of that? Yeah. Yes. Uh, estrogen positive, progesterone negative. Um, so yeah, I, I'm seriously high on the estrogen, which means I'm now on AI tablets for five years. Yeah. And yeah. so did you opt for any kind of reconstruction? Not yet. Okay. Um, yeah, not yet. I, I think for me, I'm not too bothered. Okay. I can, you know, I can understand why people would have it done, but I, yeah, I'm not bothered at the moment. I'm just wanting to heal. Right. Um, yeah. And I think it's, it could, you know, everyone's different. But for me, I feel like I, le I need a bit more time before I start going back into a hospital again. Okay. I'm yeah. And everybody, you know, I think that, that exactly what you said, you know, everybody's different and that's okay. You know, not everybody 
opts for immediate reconstruction. Some people don't even opt for reconstruction, period. So, you know, it's totally fine. Whatever space people are in, you know, be okay with being in that space. And, you know, if you need a little bit more time to heal and, you know, maybe that's physical healing, emotional healing, um, maybe more time to process and think through the options, you know, take it, do whatever you have to do for yourself. Yes, definitely. Definitely. I mean, it's not off the table, but for now, yeah, I'm very chilled about it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good. (laughs) I like that. Um, So then did you have to do any kind of radiation or chemotherapy along with that? Yes, I did four rounds of TC for the chemo. And then I did 25. This is like interesting. It was an optional extra Uh, to be on the safe side. I'm quoting the oncologist. Um, So I did 25 rounds of radiotherapy. I did a, it's a version called tomotherapy. Okay. Um, So it's really, really targeted. And I had to wear a mask, even though, yeah, all that stuff. And actually, for me, it was, I found the radiotherapy probably the most, the most exhausting and yeah, I found that really tough, actually. Yeah. And do you, um, do you think yeah. you, is there anything in particular that you think, you know, made it so much more exhausting for you? Yeah, I mean, I think because it's every day. Yeah. It was nearly every day for, for 25 days. Obviously, we had a, I had a break at the weekends or if it was a, you know, a public holiday here, then I wouldn't have it. Um, and then towards the end, I really burned um, and they, they kept saying I was fine. I was fine. And then, then finally they, they prescribed some gel for me, but it was too late. And I think I've en- ended up with, you know, uh, like third degree burns. Oh, wow. It was really, really bad. Yeah. Um, so it took me a lot. I think that's why I'm still sore on that side. Sure. It's just taking so long to recover from, from that. And yeah, I didn't. I don't think anyone realized how sensitive my skin is, you know, until, you know, it, it was too late because the, the, I guess the radiotherapy, it's a cumulative effect. Yes. And I advise, you know, anyone listening to this, that get your gel, get your different creams that your oncologist and your, you know, the team prescribed to you and get them all ready and have them all ready. Um, and I would Rob, say even start using yeah. them when you even don't think that you need them. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mere like tiny little itch. Slap it on, you know. That's yeah. it. Yeah. 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 And I, I always think about radiation as the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, that's a very um, good way of describing it. Yes. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, it was, it was the least invasive part of my treatment, but it really was the part of treatment that kept coming back around and around and around and creating complications for me. Yeah. 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 So even my, even my husband and my close friends said that that's when I started to really show, because they were saying like all along, I looked like, you know, like I always looked sort of thing because I actually I didn't lose my hair through chemo okay I'm even the oncologist couldn't believe it and uh and I'm very great very very grateful for that but 
yeah, it was after, it was like towards the end of the radiotherapy. Then my friends were saying, okay, I, we can see you're finding this really difficult, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's hard. It is really, yeah. you know, and, and I feel like it's one of those things where there are multiple things within um, our cancer journeys, I think, um, at least there was with mine, but I feel like it's one of those things that is minimized. Yes. And made to because seem like my, it's easy. Yeah. I mean, so many people said, oh, you'll sail through because radiotherapy is really easy these days. And I was thinking to myself, but I'm sure it's different for everyone, you know, and I think I was one of the ones that had uber sensitive skin and sounds like you had a tough one too. So, you know, we're not all going to sail through it. No, um, no. And so. I, yeah. And I think that's, um, you know, obviously one of the reasons that we do the podcast is because, you know, while we're all prescribed similar things, the experience that we have through those things are very, very different. So, you know, I didn't burn the way that you burned. In fact, I really just barely was pink um, from right. that exposure, but it really did more internal damage to me than it was external. Right. Yeah. So, so if you don't mind me asking you, so, it actually penetrated into your body. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it caused right. more damage um, for me in that regard. So I ended up with capsulary contracture from, um, you know, the implant started to become smaller and smaller and smaller. It just right. created this capsule around it and it was a lot of pressure. It was uncomfortable. And then I had another surgery and then again had to go through yet another because it happened again. Right. Yeah. So I'd be, yeah. you know, I'll be kind of interested in terms of what the doctor says to you about having any kind of reconstruction because reconstructing any type of skin, you know, any skin that has gone under, you know, through radiation can be a challenge. So I'd be really curious what they even offer in terms of um, options. Yeah. I mean, I, I did go and see, uh, I call her my breast specialist, the the lady who did the mastectomy, and she um, she was saying that I was healing really, really well considering what I'd been through. So she gave me the impression that I could probably look at reconstruction when I was in the mood to do so. So I thought that was, yeah, maybe I'm lucky in that sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, you know, everybody's kind of different, but I know there's a lot of research out there that, you know, anytime the breast area has been, you know, radiated, then it's, it's a little bit more challenging to manipulate and work with yeah. that skin um, just because of the damage. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yes. so then you talked about, you know, you went through chemo, you didn't lose your hair. You're now on five years of an aromatase inhibitor. Is there anything else, um, you know, or, or any other treatments, um, you know, that you're kind of going through or doing at this point, or it's just at this point, the um, AI? Yeah. Um, so I had I actually only had three lymph nodes removed, the sentinel lymph node, and they, they all came back uh, looking good. And but even with just three removed, I've had... Um, very limited mobility on my left shoulder and arm socket. 
sort of area. So I've been having physiotherapy. Okay. Have that every Friday, and it's helping me a lot. Okay. And are they? Do they think it's any like related to lymphedema at all? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a mild, probably a mild form of it. Okay. Um, And I've been doing, you know, as much as much exercises as I can. Uh, to keep that part of my body as mobile as possible because and I also think with the AI tablets um, they you know they stiffen you up as well I mean I feel like I've got arthritis in my hands and in fact my hair started to fall out uh, as well with the AI (laughs) yeah so my hair eventually started to fall out and and just so that everybody kind of knows out there that it can still fall out even though it wasn't falling out. And the my oncologist said it was probably a combination of the chemotherapy actually catching up with me. Okay. And, and the AI tablets because there's a side effect of, and I was on letrozole at the time, and it was just heartbreaking that I'd gone through what I'd gone through and then suddenly, you know, you wash your hair and it's all falling out in your hands. Yeah. So then I had to have it all cut off really short and now it's starting to grow back again. And I'm still on the AIs and I've, I've changed to another one, but they're, the AIs for me anyway are pretty brutal. I've, I'm like, I feel like I'm an old person, you know what I mean? Really stiff and old, but I'm doing my best to keep moving because yeah. um, that seems to be the only solution. Well, and I think and, that's really yeah. exactly it. You know, a lot of people... Um, and I'm sure that it's very hard to kind of push through that. You know, I, I have not thankfully experienced lymphedema, but, you know, I would imagine that the side effects from any of that stuff, you know, having the lymphedema, having the side effects from the um, AIs really, you know, kind of makes it a little challenging to want to go out and do stuff. But I think it's that kind of pushing through that you have to do to be able to yeah. kind of combat those things. Yeah, and I think it's, um, for me, it's also integrating lots of walking into my day. So when I'm going to work, I work I'm, I'm working at the moment three days a week. Um, I've set up my own little consultancy business. And I feel like, you know, I walk for about 30 minutes every, every day. Like, I guess I walk in the morning 30 minutes, I walk in the evening 30 minutes. And then I do these, like, very low-impact exercises and I find that really, really helps me. And yeah. then I do a bit of hiking. And, you know, I don't go mad or anything. I'm, I'm not a gym bunny. But I, I, I go hiking, you know, and I try to find ways to, like, I won't get the bus. I'll try and walk to wherever it is. So I really get my steps up. And, you know, I know it makes me feel a lot. If I, The days that I don't do as much exercise are the days that I don't feel as good. Oh, my gosh. So, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And it's interesting because I had um, Dr. McKenzie, who is the researcher that really kind of started dragon boating within the breast cancer community. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And he was sharing that there is a study out there and actually multiple studies that it's about 35 to 40% reduction of recurrence for women uh, when they participate in physical activity which is more mm. beneficial than even some of the medications that they prescribe. That's, that's going to 
inspire me even more. And you know what? Dragon boating is massive here. I know. So I should really get myself (laughs) into it. I was, I was thinking it, but I was like, well, I don't really want to throw my, throw my thoughts onto her. Um, But yeah, I mean, you're at a perfect spot for dragon boating. Yeah, exactly. And it's quite a, yeah, it's quite a, a, some of my friends do it and it appeals, seems to be quite an amazing experience. It truly is. And I will tell you that even if it's one of those things where you just go out and do it for the physical activity, even if you don't participate in competitions, there is still so much benefit to being, you know, in that boat, engaging in that repetitive motion, especially for lymphedema. Um, yeah, you know, and just being surrounded by a bunch of, you know, women and sometimes even men when they show up, yeah. um, yeah. you know, that have gone through the same thing. So yes, you go find that dragon boat and then we can actually meet in person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That sounds great. Wonderful. So, um, before we kind of close up, um, I'm just kind of curious, you know, you, you talked kind of at the beginning in terms of, you know, one of the things that you would want to share with our listeners, which is making sure that you're actually doing some kind of checkup. Um, is there anything else that you would, you know, in terms of advice provide? I mean, I, there were definitely a, a number of tips that you gave. So is there anything else that you would offer? Yeah, I mean, I would say, like, trust your instincts and listen to your body this is something that I realized in retrospect that I, I had been feeling off color for a while and I, I was always too busy because I was actually, I, I was running a, a media company as an MD and I was just always too busy. And I, I, you know, I have loads of friends who are always too busy for everything as well, but you've actually sometimes got to stop, yeah. listen to your body and, and go and have a body check. Um, and then the other thing I would say, um, once you're, you know, once you're diagnosed, uh, reach out to some form of community because it can be really, really lonely mm-hmm. and it can be lonely because even with people around you who love you dearly, because they don't understand because they're not going through it themselves and hopefully they'll never go through it. Um, they don't always understand how us let's call us us cancer people are and and just having people to talk to who've actually gone through something like you you know gone through something like you're going through and that's where I'd like to first of all say thank you to beyond the pink moon because even though every nearly everybody on that forum is probably based in the states it doesn't matter right those People are amazing and helpful and kind and understanding. Um, and then here, you know, here in my local sort of world in Hong Kong, you know, I have a small group of friends who, who've, and my husband as well, and everyone, you know, has been amazing. And then I have a little small group uh, from the Hong Kong Cancer Fund, and they've been amazing. So it's, it is, you ha- when you go out with your cancer buddies, there's something you get so much help and anecdotal tips you know it's you know it's yeah and you know my family even though they're sort of spread around the world um having my sister whatsapp me every single day checking in on me sorry I'm getting emotional no that's okay Um, yeah you know all of those things yeah community reach out it can be lonely um listen to your body and look after yourself 
and don't put work first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, those are all really great tips. And I know that, you know, our listeners go- are going to find value in hearing that information. And, you know, just maybe it will encourage somebody or inspire somebody to really stop and be mindful and, you know, kind of take a step back and listen to their body. Cause I, you know, I agree so much that we're, we're so busy these days that it's so easy to let go of ourselves first because we have so many other things that are going on. So, um, you know, I appreciate you kind of, uh, revisiting that again, but I am so thankful for you to be on the podcast and I so much appreciate um, having your cat in the background too. (laughs) She's been really good. I think your voice is very soothing, Melissa. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, I think I maybe heard her once or twice, but um, we love love our cats. So any cats are always welcome on the podcast. Yes. Um, Thank you. Yeah, of course. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com. Thinking about advertising on this podcast? Our ads not only create awareness for your brand, but also contribute to the continued growth and support of this show. Email us today and be on our next episode. Email podcast at BehindThePinkRibbon.com for more information. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.